sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We're doing a series on religious freedom in transition. Given the election of Joe Biden as president, there is a significant changing of the guard. Today, our guest is Bruce Cameron, professor of law at Regent University, where he teaches religious freedom law and religious discrimination in the workplace, among other things. And we're going to take a look back at some of the accomplishments of the Trump administration. Bruce, welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friend. Well, it's good to be here with you, Alan. Well, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I can start with this statement. In my adult lifetime of litigating, we've never had a president that was as good for religious liberty as Donald J. Trump. There's just no comparison uh, for any of those, particularly recent Republican presidents. Well, so let's unpack that. Be specific. All right. Well, first thing that he's done that will probably have the most lasting impact is that he has been able to put on the U.S. Supreme Court three justices, all of whom I believe are interested in protecting religious liberty. Neil Gorsuch, I think, is going to be a very strong protector of religious liberty based on his background. Brent Kavanaugh, I believe, is in favor of religious liberty. And Amy Coney Barrett, I believe, will be very strong in favor of religious liberty. In fact, uh, you know, I've never seen any reports on this, but when Kavanaugh was uh, in the nomination process, I received sort of an insider from someone who is in the field with us, Alan, you know, who litigates a religious liberty, that said that when uh, Kavanaugh was at a, a big law firm, I won't mention the law firm, he was volunteering his time for a public interest religious liberty group. So, I mean, <laughs> that is, I think, something remarkable. Very interesting. So well, I have confidence in all three of them. I certainly want you to tell me the inside scoop off the air. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, the big issue in the religious freedom arena for some time has been the conflict between religious freedom rights and LGBT rights. And for a long time, it seemed like the balance was shifting in favor of LGBT rights. Um, I'll say for the record, I believe in protecting both sets of rights, but I certainly have been concerned, as I know you are, that religious freedom was going to take a very distant back seat. And with the Supreme Court's recent decision in a case involving COVID-19 restrictions in New York, known as the Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn case, I think the court has really signaled where it's going on religious freedom. Do you agree? How do you want to talk about that? Well, I agree. And, and the good news is that with the appearance of Amy Coney Barrett on the U.S. Supreme Court, it takes away the power of the chief justice. Stevens is an unreliable ally of religious liberty, in my opinion. You mean Roberts? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, John Roberts. 
is an unreliable. Uh, yeah, we had a Stevens on the court, didn't we? <laughs> In fact, interestingly, we just had a case, you know, the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation litigated where he was on the panel. He was doing something um, um, in his retirement. In any event, yes, John Roberts is an unreliable ally of religious liberty. In fact, I dealt with John Roberts years ago when he was in the Department of Justice. And uh, he double-crossed me on a religious liberty issue. So uh, uh, that's that, that reflects a general view of how he is on the court with regard to religious liberty. So that makes, I think, five solid justices uh, for religious liberty. And, of course, some of the Democratic appointees, such as uh, Kagan, are interested in religious liberty, and Breyer to a lesser degree. But... But I think Kagan is the one that's most likely to cross over and protect religious liberty. Okay. Well, and let's talk about that decision for a moment, because substantively, the court struck down restrictions that were very severe in New York, right? That's right. Severe and inconsistent. I mean, you could have a business with the same number of people that was open with no restrictions. Obviously, there's no specialized provision in the U.S. Constitution that protects the free exercise of business. Well, the real issue is comparison. How do we compare houses of worship with who? With retail, with liquor stores, with casinos, or with concert halls, movie theaters, and other uh, gathering places? Well, it seems to me that, I mean, that's that's easy. I mean, a casino and a church, it seems to me that clearly they're comparable. A concert hall and a church, clearly comparable. But here's the thing, Alan. Uh, you know, what we're discussing right now, I don't think, is the most important point. I think it's very important for the U.S. Supreme Court justices. But I believe that uh, I, I take a, a hard line on this, and that is the state has no right whatsoever to regulate worship. The state simply has no ability, just as they have no ability to select the minister of a church, so they have no ability to say when a church will worship. And once you concede that point, then you lay the path for what Seventh-day Adventists have always historically feared, that uh, their Sabbath worship practices will not be protected. And so I don't concede that point. I say it's up to the church to decide when it's safe for parishioners to, to meet. It's not up to the government. You know, I don't think that the leaders of the church are any dumber than, than the governor of California, say, for example. <laughs> well, I will say that there are some church leaders here in California who I do not have confidence in because they are meeting without any safety precautions. And I have no confidence that if any of the people who attend there get sick, that we'll ever hear about it. Yeah, that's the nature of religious liberty. I don't get to uh, uh, constrain the worship of another person. The fact that I might think that they are less intelligent than I am or less educated than I am or less competent to make decisions with regard to health doesn't matter. It's the church, and the church gets to worship when the church wants to worship. So that strikes me as kind of um, almost an absolutist position in terms of protecting religious freedom. That's exactly right. In fact, you know, Alan, this is something that, that we're arguing at the Supreme Court. There, this year, the lawyers working with me at the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, this is specifically Blaine Hutchinson and, and Frank Garrison, 
we filed six briefs with the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, most recently, we've been filing on these cases that have to do with uh, mootness. Uh, and, and they deal with, our argument deals with the structure of the Constitution and how that protects religious liberty. For example, we just filed a brief in the Rentbury case. And what we're saying, in essence, is that there is a sphere of influence that the government simply cannot invade. And, uh, and uh, religion is one of those. Well, I think you've stated that pretty clearly. Other accomplishments with respect to the Trump administration and religious freedom? Well, the Solicitor General, of course, has a great deal of impact in Supreme Court litigation. And so his Solicitor General has backed uh, several important religious liberty cases. For example, for Seventh-day Adventists, there's the Patterson case in which the church is attempting to protect the right of Seventh-day Adventists to refrain from working on Sabbath and still hold their job. Well, the Solicitor General filed a brief with the U.S. Supreme Court saying, please take that case. And not only did the Solicitor General ask the Supreme Court to take the case, but they also asked the court to make it easier for Seventh-day Adventists and other people seeking a religious accommodation to keep their job. They wanted to uh, uh, increase the burden on employers to show undue hardship. Another important case for Seventh-day Adventists is the Solicitor General filed a brief and, in fact, argued before the court in the Janice versus AFSCME case. That's a case in which the U.S. Supreme Court held that all held union fees for public employees are unconstitutional. And so the Seventh-day Adventist Church has a teaching on, on that, and so every single public employee who's a Seventh-day Adventist who objects to supporting the union is is protected. Uh, the ministerial exception is important. Uh, a recent decision of the U.S. Supreme Court called Our Lady of Guadalupe involved whether or not a, a Catholic school was able to choose its own teachers or whether or not the government would choose through the application of the um, Americans with Disabilities Act. There had been an earlier case in which the Supreme Court had decided that there is a ministerial exception, and it's called the Hosanna-Tabor case. But the Obama administration had opposed the church in that case. In Our Lady of Guadalupe, in contrast, the Trump administration supported the, uh, the church on that. In a case that I'm sure all of your uh, listeners are aware of, uh, the Baker case from Colorado, the Jack Phillips case, Masterpiece Bake Shop, the Solicitor General backed Jack Phillips in his religious objections. And so there have just been a number of them. There's another important one, the Espinoza case, in uh, which the state was discriminating against religious schools. A very sort of interesting uh, facts. And in fact, in Virginia, we have a very similar situation where the government allows, the state of Virginia allows uh, scholarship organizations to be set up and uh, individuals can contribute to the scholarship organization to get a tax credit for it and then that scholarship organization gives scholarships to schools. In Virginia some are set up, in fact one is set up by the local church conference to help fund our schools, our Adventist schools. 
in Montana, they were barring any religious school from receiving those funds, even though they're not from the government. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't discriminate against uh, uh, religious schools and these kinds of neutral scholarship programs. So that's just that's just some of them in which the Trump administration has been very favorable, could not have been more favorable when it came to cases protecting our religious liberty before the U.S. Supreme Court. So the criticism has been that the protection was um, primarily tailored for uh, narrow Christian religion rather than broad. Do you agree with that at all? Well, no. I mean, for one thing, the Supreme Court cases present themselves as they are. I mean, you know, the Supreme Court is supposed to decide cases on the narrow grounds presented to them. And so this is not a fault of the president. This is just the way the judicial process operates, particularly before the Supreme Court. The, the good news on this is that every time there was a clash between the state and religious freedom, uh, the Trump administration supported religious freedom. Well, that is an excellent note to close on. Our guest today has been Bruce Cameron, a law professor at Regent University. We've been talking about religious freedom and transition and a look back at the accomplishments of the recent Trump administration. As we close, remember here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom, we help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association producer of Freedom's Ring on the web at religiousliberty.info. And be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Ruddock. Till next week, keep freedom ringing. <laughs>